0: Welcome to The Bill Walton Show, featuring conversations with leaders, entrepreneurs, artists, and thinkers. Fresh perspectives on money, culture,
1: politics,
0: and human flourishing. Interesting people, interesting things.
2: Welcome to The Bill Walton Show. I'm Bill Walton. Most of the ways that people talk about economics is wrong. Economics is not an incentive system. It's an information system. Free enterprise is driven by the creativity of the human mind. And material resources are essentially infinite. They are not scarce. Karl Marx and now the cultural Marxists are dead wrong. Economics is not a zero-sum game, class struggle for power. Instead, what governs what governs human growth is human creativity, innovation, and growth. Are capitalism's infinite promise, and it is humanity's best path of escape from stagnation and tyranny. Well, with that open, I don't know where we go from here. There's all this good news to talk about. the The gist of that, I won't give. I think I borrowed most of it from my guest, George Gilder, who is one of the great American heroes and thinkers. I've been reading George. I won't tell you how many decades I've been reading you, and now we're lucky enough to have him back. I guess George, you were like our fifth guest, fifth or sixth guest on the Is show. that right? Yeah, All right. It's so an we'll, honor. <laughs> welcome back. And of course, everybody. Your
0: audience was smaller than though. I'm, well, I'm always well, somewhat skeptical about being an early guest because
2: we should be. <laughs> you should. But you're in the open, and everybody always says to me, "Isn't that George Fielder? Why don't we get him back?" That's why there's again. so many viewers now, George. Come on. <laughs> Anyway, George, George is one of America's leading thinkers and author of many books I think most of you should have heard about and should have read, Wealth and Poverty, Knowledge and Power, The Scandal of Money, and Life After Google. And now he's written, I think, a, a, a really defining book, Life After Capitalism, which is, and I touched on it in the opening, The Meaning of Wealth, The Future of the Economy, and the uh, Time Theory of Money. And joining me in this adventure is John Tamney, who's been back here. Well, how many times have we had we done this together, ah, seven or eight it's more than
1: I've got fingers. <laughs>
2: <laughs> anyway, John's joining me as a co-host this time. Uh, he's the editor of Real Clear Markets, and most recently, he's the founder of Parkview Institute, which is going to be dedicated to, John?
1: These, these kinds of ideas, explaining how the economy works, through Day to day, and that is, very controversial stuff. <laughs> well,
2: this day and age, it is. This day and day age. of oh, yes. Anyway, he's also recently published *The Money Confusion*: How illiteracy about currencies and inflation sets the stage for a crypto revolution. Uh, George, welcome, John. Well, Thank you. good. Great back? to be here. So, well, so, so we're, we're, there's so many places to go with this. The, 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 the economic, the information theory of economics. Yeah.
0: Well, information theory is really the foundation of our global economy, and uh, it applies from computer science to uh, communications, all our internet developments. It applies to biotech, where codes from DNA program, uh, RNA to... uh, program ribosomes to produce proteins. I mean, the uh, information theory is really the foundation of our modern era. And it's there, and what I do in this book is to extend it to economics and, and it resolves a lot of key problems of economics. It's some of its findings are enormously favorable, uh, that uh, capitalists around the world have been performing far better, I mean, th- up to a thousand-fold better than uh, all the economic statisticians uh, imagine. And our GNP uh, accountants economists uh, calculate. And and it, it's it, it is, a basic science of our era that uh, applies to our economy and corrects most of the errors that are pervasive daily in your newspapers. As you read about inflation as a natural phenomenon, and you read about money as a sovereign tool or a magic wand for central bankers, it's it's uh, it's a new theory of economics. and it But it derives from John von Neumann, Oscar Morgenstern, a great figure in the past uh, who collaborated with John von Neumann in developing game theory, also wrote a pioneering book called On the Inaccuracy, Inaccuracy of Economic Observations. He if you really read that book carefully, and he's one of the great geniuses of our era, you discover that almost all the economic statistics you see in the newspapers are just plain unfounded. They're just projections, arbitrary, subjective views. They're self-interested uh, inventions uh, and things. Uh, Information theory um, puts it aright, and that's the, that's the contribution of this book.
1: Well, you go, go ahead, John. You know, I think it's important to stress that von Neumann, probably the, one of the smartest people who ever lived, your book is so much more than that in that you bring these theories down to a typical person. And one of the things that I pointed out in my review is that you make the point that when you go pump gas, which people need to know this, you're not pumping gasoline into your car, you're pumping knowledge. Yeah. And the knowledge is the wealth. And so could you talk about that? The, the information theory isn't some obscure thing. Yeah. It is we com- we compound knowledge over time and it makes life better and, and better, better and better.
0: And and better. better. Yeah. Well, it, the key themes of this book is wealth is knowledge. Uh, the... Uh, Neanderthal in his cave, as Thomas Sowell pointed out in 1971, had all the physical material resources we have today. The difference between our age and the Stone Age is entirely the accumulation of knowledge. And uh, how do you acc- accumulate knowledge? It's, it's by a process of learning. And one of the absolutely central propositions of information theory, but of all business consultancies, uh, beginning with the Boston Consulting Group and Bain and Company and McKinsey and Company and all these uh, business consultancies operate on the learning curve. And the learning curve states that With every doubling of total units sold, costs drop between 20 and 30%. In other words, the natural uh, progress of costs is to drop. Costs and prices should be dropping all the time. Uh, The idea that the natural condition of life is 2% inflation every year is completely spurious. It's a self-interested argument that government economists make <laughs> to uh, disguise the fact that the reason our our economy doesn't work is that uh, a GNP is wildly overstated for government services and wildly understated for business contributions. And it's... Uh, uh, the the third proposition is money is essentially time. When you run out of money, what you're really running out of is the time to earn more money. Money is essentially time. And uh, William Nordhaus of Yale, the Yale Nobel Nobel laureate, developed uh, time prices as a way. Uh, to uh, unify all economics across time and space. Uh, Through history and around the world, the number of minutes and hours it takes a typical worker to earn the money to buy the goods and services that sustain his life is the time price. And that time price is uh, a universal measurement. And it, Falsifies all, almost all the government data is just completely wrong in, if, it's, if you measure by time, which is a universal measuring stick. Rather than by all the subjective judgments of the consumer price index, the GDP deflator, the consumer price index, minus food and fuel. I remember, and,
2: the, I remember the story you told last time, or we, I don't think it was on the show, we were just talking, and you talked about Peter Drucker. Yeah. And he went to a conference for Peter Drucker. He was the famous management yeah. theorist and um, wrote Effective Executive, and did. he became a Bible a for a lot of. A lot of young guys like me who want to learn how to be a manager. You know, yeah. Peter Drucker. He was yeah. very brilliant. Yeah. And what did he say about CFOs and the, the accountants? Do you remember that story? That he was he was sitting up there, he was giving a talk. Oh, I right. think, at One oh, of right. your conferences. Oh, right. This is one of his. And the point last is, the point stages. is, all these people are putting numbers on yeah. things, maybe yeah. missing what's yeah. really going yeah. on.
0: What yeah. it, it was a great moment. Peter Drucker was in his 90s, he was really deteriorating, and they carted it up on stage for a Forbes conference in uh, uh, Seattle, and uh, Rich Karlgaard, and he came, they came out to the, he was in the front in this big chair, and then uh, his, his head just fell directly backwards, and uh, everybody gasped. They thought he was, you know, we, was I, I was sh- shocked. Witnessed. Everybody was speechless. We thought we were observing <laughs> uh, mortality and work. Uh, it, 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 but he proved immortal. He um, then <laughs> fell forward and pointed out his finger to the audience and said, I have only one thing to tell you today. And that is no one, but no one in your company knows less about your business than your CFO. <laughs> the <laughs> and, chief uh, financial officer. Yeah, you know, that's right. chief. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody gasped. And But he was really saying that business is not about the statistics. It's about real thing well the
2: thing about all the statistics is they measure what is yeah i mean then they try to do it and it's always backward looking it, yeah, yeah and it never measures what 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 could be and you know we're dealing with all these dire forecasts about the uh about the environment and you know and the chinese and the rest of the agents seem to have a habit of shoving all of their plastics into the river which goes out of the ocean and we've got accumulating something an island the size of Manhattan in the middle of the it's Pacific. the size of Texas. Okay, size of Texas, <laughs> and it's filled with the splots and jets of all the plastic and other waste yeah. that they put out there. Well, one reaction would be, okay, we got to shut everything down, yeah. and we've got to do something about this thing. And, you know, the way the typical environmentalist thinks about it is, well, this is caused by... Fossil fuels somehow, and yeah. so if we don't want plastics, we're going to have to shut down fossil fuels, <laughs> and that gasoline you're going to pump, well, it would we wouldn't have it. But there's another way to think about that uh, that uh, that field of plastics, the size of Texas, is it's a it's an incredible raw material. Hmm. And you write about write about that in your chapter on, yeah, on yeah. the carbon economy,
0: on the new carbon economy. You're, so what do we do with this? One of the do we great, do this great scientists in the world and most creative is is Jim Torr of Rice University, who took over...
2: T-T-O-U-R.
0: T-O-U-R? T-O-U-R, yeah. James Tour of Rice University, took, a great man. He took over uh, the laboratory run by Richard Smalley, who won the uh, Nobel Prize for discovering buckyballs and various inventions in carbon nanotubes. And uh, Torr... Uh, in the last three or four years, has um, developed a way to convert any plastic carbon waste, including raw garbage, into perfect ribbons of what he could, of uh, turbostratic graphene. And graphene is the most uh, extraordinary uh, yeah. development in the last... Uh, Since the outbreak of the silicon economy, there's been no major breakthrough comparable to the discovery of graphene. It won the Nobel Prize for two um, Gaiman Novelosov in 2011. It caused huge hype. It's 200 times stronger than steel. It's uh, uh, the most thermally conductive substance, and uh, ever discovered in the universe as far as we know. It's, uh, it's, it's harder than diamonds it, and yet it can bend like rubber without breaking. It's, it's just, it, it's so, it transmits signals so accurately that you insert it into a spinal cord and the signals are propagated so perfectly that the spinal cord refuses. You can see that on YouTube if you want with a mouse. So this was
2: an element that was invented or discovered?
0: It was discovered. It's a single layer of carbon atoms.
2: But we didn't know anything about this 10 years ago. This was not part of human knowledge. We
0: actually use it all the time when we write uh, with a lead pencil. We're actually, if, we, if the lines are light enough, they they uh, are essentially many-layer graphene. Okay. But we're about to move into a graphene age because Jim Tour and his student from Vietnam invented something called flash jewel heating, which makes it possible to produce graphene by the ton from any carbon waste including so for that, example that that, Manh- that, 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 that that island in the pacific suddenly becomes a gold mine it's a wonderful resource of wealth because it can produce uh, graphene which is currently worth some 200,000 dollars a ton and uh, single layer graphene is produced by all sorts of exotic techniques like chemical vapor deposition that produces milligrams for mega dollars. And uh, this, this, you can convert garbage to uh, graphene and uh, graphene is just, is the, the new age is gonna be founded on the proliferation of graphene applications. Since Tor made this invention, there are about eighteen companies have emerged to so, pursue so you, you, it in you Israel. The in which year? What? So, you predicted
2: the internet in which year? What you predicted the internet in which year? Seventy nine, before Al Gore invented it. I,
0: I really well, I I predicted. Al Gore heard him. My 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 my, my great speech was to uh, uh, Microsoft in uh, nineteen, I guess eighty nine ninety, I, which in which I I told them that the. Computer of the future would be as portable as your watch, as personal as your wallet. It would recognize speech. It would navigate streets. It would collect your news and your mail. It just might not do windows, but it would open doors to the future.
2: Bill Gates didn't like that. Uh,
0: Bill, Bill Gates didn't like it. But uh, two years later, he gave his. I've inter- I, I, I've argued with Bill Gates about this. Yeah. And two years later, he gave his internet speech. Three maybe he gave his internet speech where internet would be in everything at Microsoft. Mm-hmm. But but I was that was a good good moment.
2: I'm just pointing it out in case you want to go call your broker that when George yeah. talks about what's going to happen, it very often does happen.
1: Uh-huh. Well, so. How does this square – so it's, this is an optimistic assessment, thank goodness, and we should be optimistic.
2: This show sh- is about the upside of yes, everything that's going on. Well, We've well, we got going, enough Which bloom, is a wonderful well. thing. I mean, yeah, the yeah. people
1: who complained, Go yeah. look at the 20th century. Um, but you also make the point in the book that uh, markets have given way to a new generation of government rules best defined as emergency socialism. That's your negative side of it. I was yep. hoping you could comment on that. While emergency crucial, emergency the term socialism is the
2: for what we did with the lockdown. Yep. Yes, and, yep. and, and, and you note
1: that in the book. Where this is crucial to me is you're one of the few people I know, and thank goodness you're one of the people saying it, that one of the authors, one of the instigators of this emergency socialism was no less than Milton Friedman in yep. concert with Richard yep, Nixon. He did. What he did to money was disastrous. Yeah. And so, again, how does the optimism square with some of the emergency socialism and what these clowns have done to money? Well, As your book points well, hold, out. Hold on, George,
2: I got into, I, I'm taking my 12-minute break here at 20 minutes because we're, <laughs> <laughs> we're I got, I'm hanging on every word. So I, 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 this is the Bill Walton show. I'm here with uh, the great George Gilder and the equally great John Tamney. And we're talking about uh, the information theory of economics and uh, everything that leads to, and how it's really a pretty bright future if we think about it that way. So, George, I'm sorry. Do you need to rephrase your question? That I, uh, you know, I, it. Okay, all right. No. It's,
0: it's, Emergency monetarism yeah. was launched with Richard Nixon under the counsel of Milton Friedman way back in 1971 when he, redu- when he removed a the world economy permanently from the gold standard Mm -hmm. uh, with uh, uh, Milton's enthusiastic endorsement and prediction that if uh, 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 we removed uh, gold from the dollar, the price of gold would plummet. Mm -hmm. And this really, he, Milton Friedman thought the dollar was propping up the price of gold <laughs> rather than the price of gold uh, propping up the dollar. Now, Milton, we, this wouldn't be important, except that Milton Friedman was one of the greatest economists of the 20th century, he was a, and free to choose, and, and uh, all his books were are brilliant and, we continue to live by them in among libertarians. But he got his Nobel Prize for his worst idea. Absolutely.
1: Which Thank is, you.
0: Which is usually true. This is my rule of uh, people yeah, get, get the Nobel Prize for their worst idea. William Nordhaus invented pretty much invented time prices. Can I
2: give you an exception to that? Paul Krugman. Who got yeah. a Nobel yeah. Prize for his only good idea? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 yes. Very it,
0: true. But it was, some, it was sort of a, a truism, wasn't it? Yeah. The geography has an effect on economics. I mean, it, it, I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but but anyway, yeah. It. yeah. yeah. But anyway, that's it. <laughs> but but um, Milton really didn't understand money, and it was a tragic. Error for which he got his Nobel Prize. Well, he wrote he a book record, called the, "He wrote he,
2: a book called The Monetary History of America," right? Yeah,
0: right, yeah. disaster. Which oh, he, he was the world's leading expert on yeah. money at the time Nixon made that decision. Mm-hmm. So you really have to blame Milton more than Nixon. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: no, <laughs> it, it, it's staggering how much monetary theory, left to right, is governed by this absurd notion. That the money that that only has a purpose insofar as it facilitates the exchange of goods uh-huh. and services, has to be planned by central planners. <laughs> it's it's the equivalent of saying we've got a centrally planned production. Yet Milton Friedman has that's been his gift to uh-huh. economics, uh-huh. and it's perverted the discussion ever uh-huh. since.
0: Uh-huh. It's really sad, and we're in the middle of it now. With you know just central banks have become just ways. To steal from the future, to reward your uh, cronies and constituents in the present. this is this is the function of money. And uh, this is why your insight uh, that uh, the cryptocurrency, the perfect cryptocurrency has not yet been contrived. Mm-hmm. but I believe that from the cryptocurrency movement will... Emerge a global money monetary system that is based ultimately on time, uh, which oh, is what remains scarce when everything else is abundant. We're in a, an economy of abundance, as as time prices show, and as the great book "Super Abundance," which I uh, explain and I introduce. Um, by Marion Tupi and Gail Pooley.
2: Is... They've written a couple chapters in your book. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So the money, the c- cryptocurrency, I, I've got a couple of guys, you know, are place out in Virginia, they're obsessed with Bitcoin. Can you? Yeah. Can we put Bitcoin to, in, a, in a context where I can... Uh, I, I don't think it, Bitcoin's the end all and be all, but they keep telling me I'm no. wrong. It's Netscape. Well, it's the life, Netscape life of the Netscape. Netscape okay. Yeah, it's
1: Netscape of the crypto yeah, revolution. Yeah, yeah, right, right. It created the craze. Brilliant, yeah. but it's the opposite of money. Yeah, yeah. it it
2: can't amplify because we need to we need to kill
1: well, as, as, <laughs> Let me begin this because it's something that George and I have discussed a lot. G- you can't have enough good money. Yeah. Because you can't have enough production. George is talking about abundance. The sole use of money is to move around production, which means that the only limit to quote, so-called money supply is production. Bitcoin is rooted in the Friedmanite notion that you've got to limit the supply of that which moves production, (laughs) which means it can never be money. Everyone says its greatest aspect is that there's a a limit to the number of coins. No, that's what means that it can never be money. money Good right. money is endless. Yeah, because measures are endless and time—the yeah. way in which you measure time—it's endless. There's yeah. no, there's no.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like uh, limiting the number of rulers in order to uh, uh, prevent. the so exploitation the, so the flaw in Bitcoin the is, they, is they
2: made a finite amount of it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the fundamental flaw.
0: That's the fundamental yeah. flaw. The human imagination is not limited or finite,
2: and Yeah,
0: time has two properties. It's in the present, it's scarce, but it reaches out into an unlimited future. Mm-hmm. And so money has to have both those properties. It has to be, it w- will ex- express the scarcity of immediate opportunities but uh, open to a future of unlimited opportunities so, so. and money as time, actually, uh, has that property. You, you, um, when you run out of out of money, what you're really running out of is the time to earn more money. That's that's what money is. It's time, and it's it's um, and and this. In this respect, it resembles all the other measuring sticks. You know, the Système International in Paris uh, has a perfect kilogram, a perfect watt, a perfect ampere, a perfect lumen, uh, all these, and all these measuring sticks all include a frequency in them which which means that they're ultimately based on the speed of light. That's that's what unifies all the measuring sticks that allow world trade, that allow us to produce microchips in Taiwan that work in Abu Dhabi and that uh, can be manufactured into computers in Malaysia and, uh, and uh, combined into systems and palo alto you know this is uh, time is the basic measuring stick that governs our lives and it's also the foundation of money and that's that's the information theory of money is money is essentially time it's tokenized time it's time converted into a form that can sustain all the <laughs> transactions of the existing economy and it and and allow um, investment into the future.
2: Uh, this is the Bill Walton Show. I'm here with George Gilder, who is explaining time, and John Tamney's is going to help me explain what George just explained. <laughs> I'm still I'm still a little lost in that. I, I how does so how, Bitcoin does, Bitcoin doesn't meet the test of real money because it. Finite and then, but gold does. So, but isn't gold? In, in, I mean, you can mine more gold. But how? How is gold different? Well, from? that's
0: different. You can mine more gold, and okay. the the quantity of gold steadily expands. And uh,
1: but it and also it doesn't limit money.
0: It nullifies capital and technology because uh, as uh, you mine more gold, the gold becomes more diffuse and harder to mine from more remote places. And so the ef- effect is that uh, the time to mine Ooh. an incremental ingot of gold has hardly changed in, in a thousand years. It's, uh,
2: the time to mine an ingot of gold yeah, mean, yeah. hasn't
0: changed. So gold is in fact a, a time measure. And uh, that's why it's been so successful. But it's
1: also yeah. market money. It was what markets happened upon over yeah. thousands yeah, well, of years true, of trial and error. And what it, the markets happened upon was that every ounce of gold ever mined is still with us because mm-hmm. there's no industrial use really to gold. And so it's like me saying, hey, Bill, after the show, I'm going to go sell a million shares of ExxonMobil. And you would say, well, you're not going to move the price one iota because there's $6 billion outstanding. There's, what, 220,000 metric tons of gold in the world. So any discovery, any sale can't move this price. And so gold's genius is its stability. And that's why markets happened upon it as money. Uh, Milton Friedman and Richard Nixon basically said, we are going to replace the market. We will substitute the market that happened upon a stable measure for money for the Ph.D. standard. Oh. Which isn't any surprise that from that. What PhD? Uh, doctors. Oh, guys the like Doctor. Friedman, oh, you mean okay. Planning, we get I thought you were inventing a new one. Yeah, l- oh, literally okay. economists. Yeah. I got that one. Economists <laughs> substituting themselves for a market decision arrived at over thousands of years. We mm-hmm. finally found reasonable stability, which is what money is. It's just mm-hmm. a way for us to measure the movement of real goods and we're gonna replace it with the genius of economists. So emergency socialism, it's emergency central planning. It is economists substituting their microscopic knowledge for that of thousands of years Mm. of information. And we wonder why there's, what do we call it, a crisis. We wonder why, as you point out there's in the book, there's $7 trillion, I think you said it's up to $10 trillion in daily currency trading. Trillion. Well, of course. Well, the well. markets have decided, are trying to mitigate this disastrous infusion of planning.
2: So floating currencies. Yes. So, so let me, I, I suffer from this, George. I, I, I actually was one of those CFOs at one point. I, <laughs> I, I became a CEO and developed more imagination, I hope. But I, I suffer from having taught accounting. And the thing I wonder about gold is it was, it was, we were on the gold standard until what, 1935?
0: That's sort of. Well, we were really to 1971.
2: Okay, 71. Yeah, when, yeah. when Nixon did it, and then, but then since then, the the world, in the in 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 the volume of trade and economic activity has grown exponentially, yeah. and then in terms of fiat money, it's grown much more than that. And yet, the volume of gold in the world, you now say we get two
0: actual. Growth of value has even exceeded the growth of fiat money. Okay, That's, well, that's, what, that's what time mm-hmm. prices show. Mm-hmm. It's an so, amazing, clearly. So, it's so, an amazing so in fact, we're, we're
2: under-measuring the growth in the economy yeah. because of the way we're using currencies. Yeah. To, mm-hmm. to, but how, does, but can, how many how many with 220,000 tons now, how, many, how much do we have in 1971?
1: 170 tons. It would. Of it would have been. So probably it go. Up,
2: so it up. It went up. It goes 30, up 40%, about two percent a year is okay. yeah, historically. Yeah, yeah. So if gold is going to be backing money, but we've got this incre- this massive and in, in, increase in real economic activity, how does gold back that gold activity? Gold doesn't back it's it. Gold, gold is defines a
0: measuring it. stick. All right. It, it, By the way, I'm using no, my hands. It, I've got through, my George Gilder. Through, through history, there hasn't been. Any relationship between the amount of gold and the and the growth of economies? Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, the during during the industrial revolution in the United States, uh, gold quantity, uh, gold reserves increased by I think it was three times while uh, total economic activity. Uh, rose roughly 400 times. The Gold was a measuring stick. Mm-hmm. And you could uh, use it to multiply currency as long as the currency didn't violate the signal that the measuring stick offered. It was like a ruler. It was mm-hmm. a gauge. And uh, it wasn't a magic wand for central banks. It was a... Uh, Measuring stick for value, and that—that's—that's that's its function. People misunderstand gold. They think money was gold, and so you need more. There isn't enough gold to to be uh, to be money. That's true, but but gold is uh, a measuring stick for money. it, it okay. uh, and oh. you and, and if as long as you didn't violate that measuring stick. You didn't start lying about the real values of what you're producing. You could have as much money as, as, as people could employ to produce goods and services. John explains that brilliantly in his,
1: his book. Well, but let's think about this through wealth as information. So in 1971, there were no currency markets. Why would there be? Money had a stable measure. Why would you trade currencies? They're, 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 there's yeah. no volatility to them. Have you ever thought about what we've lost in terms of information as all these brilliant minds mm-hmm. have moved to facilitator roles, mm-hmm. basically trading the chaos? Is it unrealistic to say that cancer would have already been cured? Uh, among other things, had we not stolen all this genius from the economy, mm-hmm from production yeah. now is
2: that another way of saying that what george writes about the financialization of the, uh, the mm-hmm. massive growth the
0: hypertrophy and, of finance the
2: yeah i mean that's so yeah. Let's, yeah, I, I, let's yeah what have we lost
0: well i think we've lost a lot however all this this loss what really's happened is that the private economy has yielded val- around the globe has yielded value thousand times greater than is actually measured. The time prices show that um, that value in the private economy has been increasing between four and five percent for decades. And uh, and uh, Nordhaus. Estimated just focusing on one facet of value, the advance of lighting through the millennia, that uh, this that that while people wrote about dark satanic mills and the dismal science of economics, uh, an efflorescence of lighting was proceeding throughout the industrial world and. Uh, and it was, uh, it, lighting became thousands of, 100 times, 100,000 times more value was created by the progress of lighting, according to the Nordhaus, than was measured by economists. So, so all this was private sector contributions, but the GDP pretends that the government is just really doing a great job. It's it's producing value right a pace with I, the private I, I, sector, I, and uh, <laughs> the natural state of prices is not to drop uh, steadily as a result of the learning curve, but instead it's supposed to drift up two percent a year. That's just an alibi for uh, the bureaucrats who are. Botching the economy and well, well, and losing value—they—they—they—they they, they, they probably are a net. Most of the activities are a net negative for progress, and that would be evident if you use time prices. You sh- the only things that are that are losing value in time prices are government services like education and recently medical care are. Or, or, our lifespans are no longer increasing, they're d- decreasing at the moment. Well, the more
2: government yeah. takes over health care, yeah. the, uh, yeah. the less progress yeah. you see.
0: Yeah,
2: Well, I, you just stated the official position of this show. <laughs> 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 government produces no value, in fact, well, it's, it's negative. That, I mean, some the, of the governments, that, that, you do need a
0: low-entropy carrier that's a predictable carrier of constitutional law and property rights and uh, moral codes uh, in order to bear high entropy, unexpected creations. Create, cre- human creativity always comes as a surprise to us, as Albert Hirschman of Princeton wrote. If uh, he, he studied all the UN and, and World Bank economic projects all around the globe and found none worked according to their projects and agendas. But every so often, there would be an entrepreneurial surprise. Some entrepreneur would take some of the money. And, we'll see. So and, and, and so you and talk about he that. Said, I'll just complete this. He, he, he said, um, creativity always comes as a surprise to mm-hmm. us. If it didn't, we wouldn't need it, and economic planning would work.
1: Well, and and so you talk about that a lot in the book, and I think it's Vinton Cerf. He would get together with his buddies at Caltech, and they wouldn't report the experiments that that yielded the obvious. They would report their failures. Carver Carver meat. And so the question then became you so crucially say that all this government spending on global warming and stuff is, is <laughs> it's not producing real knowledge which yeah. we know is wealth I asked this because supply siders for years have said to me John don't talk about government spending don't you know Jude Winiski said don't talk about government spending
2: why, why did they say don't talk about government they spending? they would say
1: because we can either be Santa Claus or we can be the Grinch and I would say no 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 government spending is the crushing of knowledge it's basically this pursuit of the opposite of knowledge where are you on this you discredit incentive economics here which obviously you and i were talking where do you agree that government spending is arguably the biggest tax on progress of all precisely because it robs us of the leaps that you think are so important
0: yeah it it does it does however what time prices have shown is that uh, it moves around the world. You know, uh, the entrepreneurial creativity moves to the areas where it's most welcomed and uh, leaves the areas where it's condemned. And, and the result is that, that economic growth has been f- far faster than anybody has estimated, uh, measured by the amount of time that a typical worker has to spend to get all the goods and services. Let me bring it back down to my
2: CFO level. All right. We say that economic growth, GDP, was 3%. You're saying that's nonsense, that that doesn't even come close to showing what happened. If you take the quality of the goods and services that are being made, that's not being captured in the accounting numbers. And its value is much greater than the than the numbers would, would say. Is that is that that's am right. I getting that? That's uh... right.
0: That that's right. That the real measure is the time it takes to earn the money to purchase uh okay. the, in superabundance the book by Tupi and Pooley. They um, measure the the time uh, that it takes to produce the 50 key commodities. There are everything from oil to salmon to uh, copper to the 50 bread, uh, and uh, and they discovered that since 1980, the price of all these 50 commodities and the amount of time that you got to work to get a unit has drops 75 percent but that's almost and uh, while while world population has increased 75 percent and
1: doesn't that understate it i mean what's this is a supercomputer that sits in my pocket what's the time price of this this would have cost what according your colleague brett swanson says this would have cost 15 million not too long Uh, ago uh, the time price of this that you yeah, can get for next yeah. to nothing. And a lot of it would, you know. Um, so
2: we're, we're zeroing but, uh, but in uh, on what uh, time uh, price means because I want to uh, get, yeah, I want to understand. Uh, but, so the time price <clears throat> is, is the time it takes. To work to get. To work to get. But you but also the, the inventions that went into that device you just held up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it put.
0: That's knowledge. Increasing knowledge compounding increases wealth that's what's really increasing so who
2: benefits from selling the notion that everything is really worse than it really actually is and i can answer my question (laughs) booksellers you've got you've got uh well booksellers that's sort of the point the media benefits from selling us bad news Mm -hmm. whether you're on the left or the right Mm -hmm. if it's on the right the other side is terrible And the political class also benefits from the sort of the same thing: is that things are terrible, and I'm going to take care of you. <laughs> and they couldn't do well if they said, "Look, everything's fine. You know, yeah, just right. just relax. We're going to well, we don't need any new programs. We don't need any new programs. <laughs> we just, don't need any more yeah. bureaucrats. We're, we're ca- yeah. we're, you know if yeah. we if we just look at what always naturally happens, there's some guy that's going to invent something to deal with that yeah. uh, Texas-sized Texas-sized yeah. junk of uh, plastic in yeah. the Pacific Ocean. Yeah.
0: What, what turn it, it into a resource. So we could, deal all, just, we with could it, all just relax but, and enjoy that's right. our life. <laughs> but plastual, I don't know why
1: you're doing this.
0: Jazz flash fuel heating not only converts garbage into a valuable resource, the, yeah. perhaps the most valuable resource, uh, but it, it it also yields as a side effect pure hydrogen. So if I don't think we actually need hydrogen fuel for a lot of things, and they can also get hydrogen from deep in the earth now. There are all sorts of sources of hydrogen. But uh, still, this means that garbage is being transformed into two enormously valuable substances. Um, graphene worth between 100000 and $200,000 a ton, and uh, Hydrogen, which is regarded to to be a clean fuel, it it sheds only water when it's uh, used as a fuel. So it's just that the possibilities of human creativity are essentially infinite, and they always come as a surprise to us. and Claude Shannon, really the founder of information theory, was Claude Shannon in 1948. And he, uh, he defined information as essentially surprise, as unexpected bits. Uh, as And if everything I say today you already know, no information is being transmitted, the and information I don't think you're saying a lot is today unexpected that I knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Not predetermined knowledge or material random factors fluctuating through time. It's unexpected knowledge.
2: So I want to go so many places with this. So if the economic, if it's the economic theory of information versus the politics of fear.
0: That's right. I think that's right. That's a, a very
2: and, and and we're dominated by the politics of fear.
1: Yeah. What did the late Fred Thompson? They asked him why didn't you run for president in two thousand? And he said, I just didn't want to go around the country telling people how bad they had it. And I thought it was a brilliant well, that's, response. That's a really
2: interesting. Thank goodness, finally yeah. <laughs> someone
1: pointed the obvious out. Yeah. That these guys are running to your point on how awful it is. And let me show you how I'm going to fix it. Have they lost their minds? Yeah. Have they looked around the world? What everyone in the world would give anything. To well, have but they problems.
2: know how to win elections. Yeah, no, it's, it's I mean, it's this good is, politics. this is what we're seeing with social media. I mean, yeah. that's what, uh, you know, you get, you get driven down this rabbit hole of, of, of fear and, and concern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, get us out of here, John. <laughs> we're, in, we're doing something really, let me, but, you know, but we've got demons that, that were purported, they're purported to be so terrible and rearrange the whole world, econ, whole world economy, like the CO2 scare. Yeah. I mean, that has to be one of the oh, biggest. are
1: we a rich world that we can worry about something so
2: not. About. Well, let's all guess. I mean, George and I were talking about this, but I mean, people don't understand what an infinitesimal amount of the atmosphere that CO2 really is.
0: 0.004%. And and that's not enough, according to the real great scientists of the Europe. People like Freeman Dyson, a great physicist who studied CO2 for decades. Uh, Will Happer, who's head of physics at Princeton, who was Briefly, Trump's science advisor got Trump to withdraw from the Paris climate treaty. That was a brilliant move, a brilliant and bold move that that, um, Trump did. And that's Will Happer. uh, Richard Lindzen, who is head of atmospheric physics at MIT. Uh, And... uh, Stephen Coonan, who is provost and physics professor at Caltech, and, and Obama's chief science advisor, they all agree that there's no evidence that there's any kind of CO2 crisis. Many of the really most brilliant Nobel quality yeah. scientists yeah. actually believe that, we've, that the big threat is not enough CO2. CO2 is what makes... Makes the planet green, and uh, and uh, Howard Hayden, who's a brilliant physicist from the University of Connecticut, has shown that uh, that all the impact of CO two on warming has already happened. There's just almost no further room. No matter how much CO two uh, we uh, emit, uh, there will be very little impact. And and, you know, and actually uh, temperatures today are slightly, uh, are significantly lower, actually, than what's called the medieval climate optimum. Uh, the temperatures are lower today than they were in the 1930s when the dust bowl occurred. Uh, the, you know, the, it's, it's just... It's, it's a yeah, if you look at the fake. chart, the spike
2: in temperature in the 30s was extraordinary yeah and that had nothing to do with what there yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't uh,
1: but you sudden. couldn't have talked about it in the
2: 30s. Well but we're hitting on something here about the, this thing is really being driven by agendas that the political class. Everyone's the, got a crisis. Yeah,
1: the the right talked today about well we're not having enough babies and oh that's going to d- destroy drive disaster in this country uh, have they lost their minds a baby being born today is worth thousands of babies born fifty years ago in terms of uh, productivity uh, and so imagine John Kerry talking about how we're really not saying
2: we shouldn't have more babies
1: I'm I'm saying Pure people and- should do what they want want okay. what they want to do and, okay. and, and, and but John Kerry talking about global warming. Imagine if he talked about in you know, 1935, global warming. George- <laughs> after you've had World War I, and you've had the Russian Revolution, and the slaughter of the Armenians, and you had the leaving of, of monetary stability, and then you had Hitler, and then you had World War II, and the Holocaust, and the spread of communism around the world. We're talking about global warming? Boy, we must be, <laughs> we must be a rich society, but also one that has nothing to worry about. Because the things that the right and left worry about that they say crisis are microscopic to what happened in the 20th, 20th century. Yeah. We, it's, it's a bullish signal that a clown like Kerry is going around yeah. the world saying this. Brilliant, John. That's, that's, that's
0: a good conclusion. That's the climax. John really really. Okay, okay we're, we're going
2: to, we are going to, I, I guess, you have to buy this book. It's life after capitalism, and just some of the chapters: is money a commodity? We we'll talked a little bit about that. Bitcoin capitalism, uh, the myth of the economic man, and and whether it, how we understand incentives could be all wrong. Uh, you know, the carbon age. Uh, it just in. It, it, we're we're getting at something in this that I think is essential, though. That if you really look at what people do when left free to, to live and innovate, they're creating wealth so de- decade after yeah. decade yeah. after yeah. decade. Mm-hmm. And if we just leave people right. alone,
0: yeah.
2: it might be okay. <laughs> but there'd be no job for the uh, John yeah. Kerry. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. George, I'm going to let you have the last word.
0: Well, I, th- I think this is a wonderful moment of opportunity in the world. The transition into the graphene economy with which will transform every industry and meet the crucial heat crisis that is uh, bringing Moore's law to a close in uh, the silicon domain. Now we have an, an element graphene that is a thousand times more Heat conductive than silicon and it's uh, it's going to transform electronics communications uh, medicine uh, just it, it's it really is a wonderful moment of global opportunity that we're dissipating in our uh, preoccupation with these phony crisis of 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 heat of of of, of 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 weather of weather rather than uh, than uh, than the thermal uh, problems of uh, of the AI data centers. They are all mostly dominated. They're giant refrigerators, really. All these uh, data centers that produce our AI. And, well that's what
2: you they, they they're supposedly trying to solve the problem of heat i mean the yeah. more the internet expands the more artificial intelligence expands. Yeah. you got to cool all these machines down so, yeah. um, and you can't afford yeah. to do that but
0: but you can do it with graphene and with okay. with a distributed <laughs> artificial intelligence oh to the have world these problems has got, <laughs> is back in the 1960s when ibm uh, thought that 14 giant mainframes could fulfill all the needs for com- computation of the global economy. This is in the 1960s. Now we got 14 vast data centers by glaciers and, and um, you know, dominated by cooling problems. And they're supposed to produce a unitary singularity AI as if there's just one truth uh, that uh, AI can propagate and be controlled by a by a few mainframes, and uh, AI is going to be in everyone's pocket. AI is going to be a a wonderful new phase of the of the computers revolution, uh, but it has nothing to do with becoming conscious or competing with human minds. It's, it that's just that's just uh, another fake crisis that's being used to have government nationalize these four, these few mainframe data centers that now do all the AI for Google and Facebook and Microsoft. A few, few big companies dominate AI. And uh, AI and is going to be great if you just... Uh, don't nationalize
2: it. <laughs> so uh, this has been the Bill Walton Show with the ma- majestic George Gilder, and and I need an adjective for you, John Tamney. Thank you for the Beautiful summary, and I hope you enjoyed this dose of positive reality. And uh, this is not optimism. I mean, if you just look around at the world in the last two hundred and fifty years, the kind of thing that George and John have been talking about, and I'm. I'm struggling to understand some of it, but it's also uh, real and that uh, all these good things that are are happening will happen if we just let them happen. And if we keep government out of it, and, yeah. and, and it's, it's not just, it, it's the idea that there's some magical people in an office that can protect us from all these things. It's <laughs> just all wrong. <laughs> So I don't know whether this is a proper close for a show. But anyway, thanks for joining. We're on all the, all the platforms. You know where to find us. Please send us your comments. Uh, uh, we take them into consideration. I know you're going to want George and John back to continue the conversation because we've just touched the tip of the iceberg. Um, so anyway, thanks for joining. Oh, by the way, subscribe to the show. Give us a five-star review. And uh, Maureen, what else am I supposed to say? Oh, yeah. We're going to be starting a new, a new segment here called uh, Bill, Walton live. Bill Walton Live. It's called uh, Inside Backstage, and we're going to be bringing people on um, live uh, on uh, Facebook or YouTube. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm in my tech. What, what which platform are we going to be on? We're going to be on Zoom. And we're going to have a dialogue with, uh, with you and some other guests and just talk in real time about these questions and mm-hmm. hopefully have some answers. So mm-hmm. thanks for joining, George, John. Thank you. Fantastic. Well, thank you. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Want more? Click the subscribe button or head over to TheBillWaltonshow.com to choose from over a hundred episodes. You can also learn more about our guests on our Interesting People page and send us your comments. We read everyone and your thoughts help us guide the show. If it's easier for you to listen, check out our podcast page and subscribe there. In return, we'll keep you informed about what's true, what's right, and what's next. Thanks for joining.